Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. to Fantasy Baseball today on June 3rd. Frank Stample joined by Scott White. Today on the show, players who either improved or declined from April to May. I've got some OPS and ERA jumpers, both of those categories, and we'll get you ready for Week 10 with sleepers, two-star pitchers, and much more. But let's jump right in. Oh my good goodness gracious! All right, Scotty, who do you have from Thursday? I have Graham Ashcraft of the Reds, a guy who's rostered in only 7% of CBS Sports Leagues. He made his third start on Thursday, and it was his best one yet. One run in seven innings, struck out five. Not a ton of strikeouts, but pretty good whiff rate. 11 whiffs on 92 pitches, including six on the slider. All three starts have been pretty good. The first couple were on the shorter side, but now he goes seven innings in this one. And I think there, I think there's more strikeout potential there than he's shown so far. But part of the reason he's been successful in spite of that is he's got a ground ball rate right around 60% so far. That's elite. That's elite if he can keep that going. And um, starting to look pretty interesting. Plus, he is in line for two starts this upcoming week at the Rays. I'm sorry, it's the wrong person against the Diamondbacks and at the Cardinals. So one pretty good matchup, one not as good matchup, but two starts. Again, only 7% rostered is Graham Ashcraft. And uh, I think he might be, especially in points leagues, somebody you could consider thrown in there for the two-star week. He's not especially high in my two-star pitcher rankings, but he is he's ranked to be relevant. I would say. And widely available, as you mentioned, 7% rostered. I was checking out a few of my deeper leagues, 15 teamers earlier today, and he's available in uh, in basically all of them. So if you need a two-star pitcher in one of those leagues, yes, yeah, Scott, I agree with you. I mean, the swinging strike rates in the minors, they were okay. I mean, there were some spots where yeah, it actually was a pretty good swinging strike rate, but consistently lots of ground balls. Mentioned last week, Ashcraft throws this cutter 98 miles per hour on average. Slider Velo yeah. was up here on Thursday. And then the fastball variation that he throws is a sinker. So obviously that's what helps him get those ground balls. He, and he had he he had 10.5 K per nine in the minors last year. It was less than an inning. It was less, a little less than one per inning in the seven starts he made for AAA Louisville this year. Uh, but 10.5 K per nine last year. He throws three pitches, but they're all hard. Uh, the slider is in the 80s, but you mentioned the cutter and the fastball. They're, they're, the velocity is similar, so it doesn't have that. It doesn't have like a really good change of pace pitch, which might be holding up, which might be preventing him from getting more strikeouts. But, you know, obviously other pitchers have... Uh, have made good on similar velocity ranges. So I, I think I think there's a chance Graham Ashcroft could get even better from here. Obviously, there's a chance it gets worse, too. I'm sorry, Ashcraft, not yeah. Ashcroft. Ashcroft, <laughs> another aristocrat we have on our hands here. Um, yeah, well. Look, yeah. I think the ground ball rate definitely helps pitching in Cincinnati, Scott. So at least he doesn't put the ball in the air. You know, it's something I worry about constantly with guys like Tyler Malley and Hunter Green. So that's something that at least is uh, on the side of Ashcraft. Oh my goodness gracious for me. I feel like such a homer. I didn't want to choose him, but 
like all the time, there's something interesting going on with the Yankees and, and Jamison Tyone. I feel like we haven't really talked about him very much. And he goes out and has this ridiculously awesome start. So I was like, all right, I guess we got to talk about Jamison Tyone, who took a perfect game into the eighth inning against the Angels. And he goes exactly eight, gives up two hits, one run, five strikeouts to zero walks. Put up a season high 14 swinging strikes on 101 pitches. And his arsenal this year is very deep. Um, He's basically just mixing it up. He's got six different pitches that he throws between 8 and 34% of the time. And he has this cutter, which he kind of started throwing last year, but not very much. And he's now throwing it a career-high 13.7%. So just another offering to help Jamison Tyone. He's going deep into his start, Scott. Seven-plus innings, three starts in a row now for Jamison Tyone. Lowers the ERA to 2.30. And the the lack of walks, I mean, the control has really stood out here. He's got five walks total in 10 starts. Now, I don't think that's sustainable over the course of the entire season, but... Mm-hmm. He was once a very, very good pitcher, Scott, and now he's one year further removed from surgery. And I kind of think it's similar to like Miles Michaelis, who's getting back on track this year. It's, you know, one year further removed. These guys look like they're kind of getting back on track. I'm pretty skeptical of Jamison Tyone. Yeah. And we have talked about him before. That's that's generally how it's gone. I mean, this is two two starts in a row, eight innings, two hits in each of those two eight-inning starts. So it's one thing to say, yeah, he's only walked five guys all year. That's why he's performing so well. But how is he preventing hits like he has? And like that, that I, I'm not sure he really has it in him. I, I mean, he's not missing bats at nearly the rate he did even last year. It is one of the lowest strikeout rates of his career. It's not like he has the amazing ground ball tendencies that we've seen from like a Martin Perez, maybe amazing is overstating it for Martin Perez, but really good ground ball tendencies Martin Perez has shown this year. And like he 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 does have a more of a history, more of a track record of of weak contact. You could see how the arsenal for Martin Perez, you know, we've we've expressed skepticism for him, myself included, but I can see it a little more for him than I can for Tyone. I, I think it's a similar situation where a lot of the underlying stats don't really back up the extent to which the pitcher is dominating. I don't have to squint as hard to make it make sense with Martin Perez as I do with Jamison Tyone, so that makes me pretty skeptical. You you mentioned he has this really diverse arsenal, and maybe he's just doing a really good job of keeping hitters off balance with that. But that's not a formula that we see work very often. And so, you know, I'd I'd be looking to sell Tyone if I could, sell high on him. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense for for all those same reasons, Scott. I mean, he's doing a good job suppressing hard contact, but that only goes so far. And eventually, I think he is going to walk more batters. And his BABIP is pretty low right now at 253 for Jamison Tyone. And strand rate is a little bit um, higher than his career mark uh, of, yeah, 75% for his career right now. It's 81%. So, you know, some of these things are going to regress. And, you know, maybe he kind of winds up as like a mid to high threes ERA, which... Is still a serviceable pitcher, but just not nearly as good as he's looked so far. So uh, if you got some Yankee fans in your league, if someone wants to pay the tax and they like what they've seen and they're buying into the name, you know, Jameson Tyone was once a top 20 starting pitcher drafted. So look to sell high and uh, maybe turn him into another hitter or uh, a pitcher that is underperforming. Like, would you, uh, this is obvious, right? Like we would try and sell Jameson Tyone for Charlie Morton if we can make it happen, obviously. Oh, yeah. 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 What about Trevor Rogers? Would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, I, I don't have a lot of faith in Trevor Rogers at this point. And I noticed actually his roster rates dropped to 78% in CBS sports leagues where right. pitchers tend to be more rostered than most other sites. Uh, so that was interesting, but yeah, I, I have in the long run, I think Jamison Tyone's going to be fringy and, and you can at least hope for a little more than that from Trevor Rogers. All right. Oh, uh, honorable mention from Thursday. Travis Darno had, I believe he finished with three hits. He had three hits the last time I looked, and two of those were home runs. So he finishes with a double dong, and one was a grand slam. He had six RBIs total in that game. Uh, yeah, he went three for five, two homers, six RBI for Travis Darno. But he had really slowed down recently. His previous 14 games before this, 
He was batting just 164 with a 480 OPS and uh, way too many ground balls during that time. 57% ground ball rate. And I think this is kind of who Travis Darno is, Scott. I mean, there's inconsistencies, but you know, when he gets hot, he can kind of have games like this. Plus, he was in Coors Field. So I think he's yeah. worth rostering, but you know, probably not as good as we saw earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of between him and, and the other Braves catcher, William Contreras, for who rounds out that top 12 for me in the in the catcher rankings. And uh, I, I think either one is going to be a, a fine starter in one catcher leagues. Uh, I would prefer William Contreras if he if he gets back to playing more consistently, but it seems like with Michael Harris getting called up, and obviously Acuna is having to move to DH still a fair amount of the time. That that makes it harder for the Braves to get Contreras in the lineup. And if Travis Darno is going to go out and have two homer games, then that that makes the the path at catcher not as open for him either. Yeah, I have Travis Darno ranked higher than Contreras right now. I think they trust him more as a catcher. I think Contreras is the better hitter sure. right now, but I just I don't know how he's going to work in unless you know someone gets hurt. Which look, Travis Darno is no stranger to injury. That can definitely happen. But uh, for now, I think I would lean with uh, Travis Darno for the playing time. Let's take a look at some of those big ERA. Uh, actually, no. Let's start with OPS. We'll start with the biggest jumps in OPS from April to May. I teased this on yesterday's podcast, and you know some players who people might not have realized have really taken a big step from uh, the first month to the second month. Yes, we are starting to see a little bit more offense, thankfully, because we needed it after that crazy April. Uh, so let's take a look. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt was the biggest riser from a 728 OPS to 1288. And then we've got Cattell Marte on this list. Mookie Betts, we know, had an awesome May. Christian Walker, the same there. Nelson Cruz, 479 OPS in April, 838 in May. So... Not as good as we've seen in the past, but he's slowly coming along here. Rafael Devers was amazing last month. Uh, Randy Rosarena got back on track. Jorge Soler, we talked about him recently. Darren Ruff has been solid, although I believe he's on the bereavement list right now. Bo Bichette, 535 OPS in April, 876 in May, which is a lot closer to what we were expecting. Scott, we were talking beforehand, and Randy Rosarena was someone that stood out to you, and I know that you and... Chris were very skeptical of him coming into the season, but then mm -hmm. he did get back on track. What did you see from uh, Randy Rosarena in May? Yeah, as you said, he got back on track, and uh, it was right at the point where I was close to to writing him off completely, thinking, okay, I guess everything I suspected about this guy was right. And the overall numbers are still... Suboptimal, but the home run, he has he has five home runs, he has eight stolen bases. That combination will obviously play in fantasy just if he sustains that pace. But it could be a situation where you know April was just a disastrous month for him and he performs closer to to the version we saw in May moving forward, in which case, you know, that's gonna that's gonna keep keep a Randy or Rosarena among the high end high-end outfielders and we need them <laughs> i was doing the i was updating my outfield ranks on thursday scott it's once you get past the top 20 it, it really i mean like the top 22 it's you get into like the schwarber range and, and like brian reynolds is coming around which is good to see but then bellinger has been an absolute mess recently and you know i kind of moved randy rosarena just back up into that mix you know top 30 top 25 ish outfielder and uh, you know, look, when Randy gets in trouble, it's because he's hitting the ball on the ground too much, which is exactly what he did in April. A 66% ground ball rate. He lowered that tremendously in May, started hitting for more power, hitting the ball harder as well, lowered the strikeout rate. So lots of good signs there for Randy so, Rosarena. And I, I was just making the point that, you know, April may have just been a disastrous month. We saw it be a disastrous month for a number, a large number of hitters around the league last year. And you look at the league-wide improvement from April to May this year. I, I was just pulling it up. Uh, and it's been a while since we've done this. I remember you looked at it after a week of May. Wasn't that different from April? After two weeks, it wasn't that different from April? Well, now we have a full month of May, obviously, to compare to the full month of April. 
And the improvement was considerable. So strikeout rate for hitters went from 23% to 21.8%. When's the last time we saw a league-wide strikeout rate that low? It's been it's been a couple years. BABIP, league-wide BABIP went from 282 in April to 291 in May. Batting average went from 231 in April to 245 in May. That's a big jump. Yeah. From one month to the next. And remember, this was still with a, a lot of cold temperatures for the first half of May. So it, it, it we're, it's really backloaded the improvement that we that we saw over the course of the month. Uh, and then if I could pull up, let's see, if I can pull up home run to fly ball rate from April to May. So that went from 10, and even 10 was the home run to fly ball rate in April. Just much, much worse than we're used to seeing. 11.5 in May. So still worse than we're used to seeing, but definitely better than 10. The name I wanted to highlight here, Scott, Cattell Marte got off to a brutal start. And, you know, it's 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 rough because, you know, obviously people are paying attention to baseball more than ever in the first month of the season. And that's when we're getting all these questions, Scott, about what is going on with Cattell Marte and Whit Merrifield and all these other hitters that got off to just brutal starts. And then they, they just back on track and it, it was so weird that it was just as bad as it was um but yeah two years in a row yeah. now. uh c- well well what's weird about Cattell Marte is it's the improvement you know you're given OPS numbers the improvement is basically on the batting average he homered yeah. once in April he homered once in May uh but he 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 hit so well that he still ended up with a with an OPS over 900 for the month of May 964 mm-hmm. and I mean, I, I do expect him to hit for average. I do think that's his best skill. Two of the past three years, he's hit over 315. So we know Cattell Marte can hit for average. I, I think there is still a question of how much power is he going to generate in this power-reduced environment. And I, I think that's still very much an open question. But I, I think he showed in May that he's worth starting. I mean, the, the power outage is uh, applied to some degree across the board. So, you know, maybe we don't need Cattell Marte to be a source of 20-plus homers to be a must-start player anymore just because there's there's more there's more of a divergence between the power hitters and the non-power hitters, making some of the non-power hitters, again, viable. It would help if he elevated a little more, but he's never been great at that. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's 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 hard for me to say I'm totally I'm totally confident in who Cattell Marte is moving forward, but I, I do think he's gonna be a worthwhile player moving forward. I think he's someone that might stand out more in points leagues moving forward too, because he did have eleven doubles in the month and yeah, I mean, obviously we don't have to depend on power as much, but he makes a lot of contact and the walk rate was 11% and he was hitting the ball much harder, nearly 92 mile per hour average exit velocity for Cattell Marte. So uh, maybe he's, um, <laughs> this is going to sound so bad, but like a glorified version of Luis Arise, which you know, look in, in today's game, you mentioned the the league batting average in May was 245. He he hit 366. That's, that's still mm-hmm. very helpful regardless of format, but maybe just a little bit more helpful in points leagues. Let's take a look at those fallers, the big fallers in OPS from April to May. Anthony Rizzo. Oh, we love the Riz, right? Three homer game, 1067 OPS in April, 580 in May. Some other droppers here. Nolan Arenado, Sheldon Noisy, Eric Hosmer. Hosmer went from 1054. Remember the good old days, Scott, where I was asking you guys about Hosmer every single day? Well, now. Yeah, that (laughs) fell apart. Pretty decisively, didn't it? Uh, 634 OPS in May. Is it? Can we comfortably drop Eric Hosmer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. we've been there for a while now. All right. Uh, JP Crawford, Wander Franco, Josh Bell. The Josh Bell one is a little surprising, but uh, Jesus Sanchez, someone we told you, you know, you could drop this guy for a while now. Robbie Grossman, Randall Grichuk, you don't love to see that. A few others, uh, Jazz Chisholm, Lourdes Guriel, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, Scott, anyone you wanted to highlight here from this list of OPS fallers from from one month to the next? Well, I, I think J.P. Crawford fits into that same category as Eric Cosmer. Yeah, where 
yeah, he was piling up a bunch of hits at the beginning of the season, and then he got to the point where he was universally rostered. Uh, uh, I think people were probably playing him over some of the stud shortstops who were off to slow starts. Uh, but he he uh, he was who we thought he was in the long run. His average, okay, so percentile for average exit velocity. He's, he's second percentile, two. 98% of the players in baseball are a better source of exit velocity than J.P. Crawford. And he's never been 10% percentile for his career so he's never been a useful fantasy player right and i think that's especially true in this environment so yeah i think i think we can pretty safely move on from jp crawford uh jesus sanchez was a player who we we believe to have a pretty some pretty good upside offensively but he doesn't elevate the ball enough he doesn't make enough contact and like he certainly doesn't walk enough. So it's it's just, there are just too many parts of his game that have to improve still, I think, for him to be a reliable, a reliable producer in fantasy. Is he going to get hot at some point and hit a bunch of homers in a short span of time? Probably. But, yeah, I just don't think he's going to be that reliable this year. And his May, his, his drop-off in May, underscores that Randall Gritchick was disappointing playing half his games at Coors Field. You know, he got off to such a good start. You could tell uh, he was, he was batting over 300 early on and, and it was mostly a BABIP thing, which, you know, we would normally say is unsustainable, but that's the whole thing about Coors Field is it inflates a player's BABIP and they get hits. They wouldn't have gotten elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, May was pretty disastrous for him. I still have more confidence in him than some of the other players we've mentioned here, Hosmer and Crawford and Jesus Sanchez. You know, even all the other stops he's made in his career, Grichik has been useful from time to time in fantasy. Uh, and Coursefield can only help. But, yeah, it certainly, that May performance certainly, uh, you know, kind of did away with the idea that he's going to be this must-start player all season long, I think. Mm -hmm. Josh Bell, Scott, you know, one that stands out to me here, he is making so much contact this season. His K percentage is 10.8%, and for his career, that's been 18%. So he's making a lot of contact, and from one month to the next, he actually lowered his ground ball rate, started hitting the ball in the air more, just wasn't hitting it very hard. Um, and that's... That's kind of a skill that I trust with Josh Bell because he's consistently hit it hard. If, if he's going to put the ball in the air more, I'm going to trust that good things are going to happen, especially as much contact as he's making. So if anyone in your no, league... He just did a homer on Thursday, so maybe that's the start of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't really lost faith, faith in Bell either. I didn't quite notice that breakdown that you just outlined, and I, I agree. If, like his, his problem in the past has been elevating, but he's always made contact at a high rate. He's always hit the ball hard. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of kind of similar to what we said about Eric Hosmer, except I think like it's it's even easier to see how that could turn into massive production from Bell. And, you know, for that what what season was it? Twenty nineteen? I guess the season where everybody was a monster. Yeah. Bell was especially. I mean, Bell performed like a first rounder, at least for the first half of that season. And, uh, yeah, I, I still treat Josh Bell like a must-start player, even if the production was down a bit in May. Yeah, I, I've been receiving some questions about him recently. You know, people kind of worried about the production, so I would be looking to buy if anyone in your league was worried about Josh Bell. Let's move over to the pitching side of things. The biggest jumps in ERA from April to May, the risers. And I think you'll notice a very clear theme on this list here, Scott. Merrill Kelly... Carlos Rodon, we've talked about Rodon recently. Uh, Madison Bumgarner, Zach Greinke, Chad Cool, Brad Keller, Logan Gilbert. Logan Gilbert, by the way, he went from 0 0.4 ERA in April to 3.44, so he, he's still been very good. Um, <laughs> Austin Gomber, Jose Barrios, Kyle Wright. He's got a lot of pitchers on this list. Do not get a lot of whiffs. They pitch to contact, and it so happens that hitters were very bad in April, and we kind of just saw them all regress in May like we kind of were expecting. Yeah, no, that's a good observation. Merrill Kelly, I think, is the one on this list who 
who's may changed my opinion on him the most. Cause remember early on, we were, we were kind of enthusiastic about Merrill Kelly. He was getting yeah. a lot more whiffs. He'd done, he talked about putting in a lot of work on his changeup in the off season. And that pitch especially was playing up for him. But even before the performance started to drop off, that began to change. And, and, you know, my confidence quickly began to run out on him. And, and now I think he's just, basically back to being the Merrill Kelly we've seen the past few years where he'll get hot at times. He'll, uh, he'll generally pitch deep into games, but in the long run, he's more of a matchups play than somebody you're going to rely on week after week. And in anything, 12 teams are shallower. It it's perfectly acceptable to drop him. If, if you're, if you're looking to free up a roster spot, I think he'll be useful, but I, I don't think he's somebody you need to cling to. Some of the fallers in ERA, so pitchers that got better from one month to the next. JT Brubaker from a 6.20 ERA to 2.63 in May. Tarek Skubal, Martin Perez, Adam Wainwright. Wainwright went from a 4 ERA to 1.69 last month. Uh, Frankie Montas went from 4.25 to 2.31 on the ERA. My man Shane O'Mac. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Luis Garcia, Jordan Lyles, and Tyler Malley. Tyler Malley, by the way, from 6.45 to 4.88. He's uh, <laughs> still not great. Either way you look at it. JT Brubaker, Scott, I think is the one that stands out to me here. He's widely available. And from one month to the next, I, I think the biggest difference was obviously the walks. In April, over, up over five walks per nine. Uh, in May, it was still 3.6, but consistently over a strikeout per inning. We've seen him have stretches in the past where he can generate whiffs and, and get strikeouts. He's not going to get a lot of wins. I get it. But I think in deeper leagues, JT Brubaker is you know someone we should have on our radar for strikeouts. Yeah, I kind of feel like we did this with him last year. That's and last year, he had a 12% swinging strike yeah. rate, which is pretty good. This year, it's 11.3, which is you know still better than you'd expect for somebody with... Uh, with JT Brubaker's lack of stature. Uh, but he pitches for the Pirates. He has control issues. He is he's a little bit vulnerable to home runs. Like he's 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 managed to keep them down this year, but he got crushed by them last year. And I just don't think, particularly given the team context, I just don't think there's enough here for Brubaker to to really get in, enthusiastic about him. Is yeah. he going to be worth streaming at times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't put much stock in him having a two sixty three ERA in May. Well, if you want to stream him, now is the time to do so because on Friday he's going up against the Diamondbacks, and next week he is scheduled to face the Tigers. So two pretty strong matchups in a row there for JT Brubaker. Scott, we were talking beforehand. Frankie Montas is someone that you and I have pretty aggressively moved up the rankings and rightfully so. I know you liked him a lot coming into the season. Oh yeah. He's done nothing but live up to expectations and you know, he's SP 14 for you. He's SP 16 for me. Splitter looks like a phenomenal pitch for him this year. Um, And we've seen, you know, when he actually has it working, he can be one of the, you know, 20 best starting pitchers in baseball. Yeah, no, I feel validated in my, uh, I, I think I was one of that had him ranked among the highest in the industry coming into the season. I had him on my breakout list, even though he was obviously had a good year already. I just saw uh, over, I think I believe it was over his final 15 starts. He he went from throwing the splitter as his fourth most used pitch to his most used pitched and everything just took off. And, you know, he hasn't sustained quite that pace, but it does seem like he's taken another step forward from last year. His swing strike rate is 13.5, which I'm pretty sure puts him in the top five among qualifiers. And yeah, he's been great. He's been great in every way. And I would I would like to get him in my top 12 rest of season. You, you mentioned I have him 14th. He's two and five. As good as he's been, he has a two and five record because he pitches for the A's. So hopefully he gets traded and and we don't have to worry about that anymore. But as things stand, he still has a triple A lineup backing him up. Yeah. So entering Thursday's action, 13.5% swinging strike rate for Montas. 
ranked ninth among qualified starting pitchers. Okay. Top so, 10, not top five. Yeah. My and, bad. <laughs> nah, it's all good. And he does, look, everything you want to see from a pitcher, strikeouts, limiting walks, getting ground balls, he is doing all of it right now. Again, that is Frankie Montas. Anyone else here on this list, Scott, you wanted to highlight? Uh, your, your boy, Shane O'Mac, yeah. the actual Shane McClanahan, <laughs> I should say, is... I, like he, I, I think he's legit. I, I think you could make the case he deserves to be in the top twelve. I may have actually moved him in the top twelve. Do you have oh, my rankings up? You did. What do I have? You have him yeah. at eleven. Yeah, actually, we both do. We we both have him at eleven, Scott. Okay. And like, I'd be willing to go like top six with him. I think if not for the fact he's a second year pitcher, who it's reasonable to assume the Rays are going to be pretty careful with his innings. Yep. Uh, especially once we get into August. So, you know, you have to guard against that. But but I, I think he's the real deal. And so, you know, if uh, if his performance in May underline that, that works for me. I've also been pretty impressed this year with uh, Luis Garcia, obviously not to the same extent, but I was not really sure what to make of Luis Garcia last year. And, he got off to kind of a shaky start in April at a time when offense was down around the league. But now his numbers are basically back in line with where they were last year. And so I, I feel like there's a lot of legitimacy there too. And obviously he has a great team context pitching for the Astros. So that's somebody I feel much more confident in now than I did a month ago. And the velocity is up this year for Luis Garcia. 94.4 miles per hour on the fastball last year. That was 93.3. So maybe it's something that could fade as the season goes along. But right now, uh, the velo up for Luis Garcia. And in fact, the underlying numbers are actually better this year than they even were last year for Garcia. So you love to see it. I have zero shares, man. I don't, I was with, you know, I just, I didn't really know how to feel about him. I thought there was some breakout ability, but I just, I didn't wind up with any Luis Garcia, unfortunately. Before we, before we hit the break, Fantasy Baseball Today is here to help you dominate your league all season long, but now you can represent your favorite podcast with official Fantasy Baseball Today gear only found on the CBS Sports Store. Discover t-shirts, mugs, sweatpants, laser-engraved pint glasses, hats like the fancy one I'm wearing right now if you're watching on YouTube, water bottles, and more to remind your buddies how you got the inside scoop to crush the competition. Right now, Fantasy Baseball Today listeners will get 20% off orders when they use this podcast exclusive code, Fantasy Baseball 20, during checkout. That's Fantasy Baseball 20, and it's only available to our listeners. Head over to store.cbsports.com slash collections slash Fantasy Baseball Today and shop now. It's a very long link, which you can find in the episode description, both on the podcast and the YouTube side. If you want to hear the latest on top prospects, Unfortunately, what's going on with Grayson Rodriguez, you can listen to our Saturday episode of Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. It's our five-minute podcast, which you can download and follow wherever you listen to this podcast. We'll take a break, and we'll be back right after this. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we'd go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. 
If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The news and notes. Let's start with Francisco Lindor, who was not in the lineup on Thursday after accidentally shutting his hotel door on his right middle finger. Mm. So the the legend of baseball Ooh. injuries grows, Scott, with uh, <laughs> this one, closing the door on your own finger. And for some reason... Mets owner Steve those, Cohen. Those, those, hotel, hotel, those hotel doors are heavy too. Yeah, but right? Lindor, he's you know strong guy, professional athlete. You know, your, your finger. I mean, yeah. When's the last time you shut your finger in a door, Frank? It's I don't know. It's been a couple decades, probably for me. But my gosh, does that that is some severe pain? I feel like I did it recently. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't. Have you ever shut it in a car door? No, like, no, not yet. That, <laughs> That sounds bad. Done that. Uh, yeah. Got 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 purple there for a while. You know, in my older age, Scott, I've just found that my my older age, right? Like I'm 30 years old, but I feel it. I feel things happening where like my spatial awareness is just not nearly as good as it once was. And I don't know, <laughs> does it have to do anything with age? Probably, but I just I feel myself like just bumping into things that I used to never bump into, and I, and I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I assume it's because I'm getting older, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Frank. You're still you're still in the prime of your life, there, buddy. Yeah. Don't know that that should be happening yet. Uh, I think that the cognitive decline <laughs> should be uh, in 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 full effect yet. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I got to go to a doctor. Anyway, Mets owner <laughs> Steve Cohen, he thought it was funny to tweet this out. I just thought it was so ridiculous. He quote, he tweeted, quote, Lynn Dorr just got hurt by a door. Ironic. Just, it's not even funny. It's just like a bad dad joke. I don't know. Like, what is Steve yeah. Cohen doing? I just, I don't get it. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Orioles pitching prospect, I just mentioned, Grayson Rodriguez has been shut down from throwing after being diagnosed with a strained right lat muscle. We mentioned that on yesterday's podcast, but they did add a new wrinkle. He's expected to miss, quote, a decent amount of time. So, Scott, I think that would probably take him out of the stash category, right, in redraft leagues? Yes, I would. Well, I, I don't know. I don't want to give it a flat yes yet because we still don't know what a decent amount of time is. They still haven't revealed the extent of the lat strain. Uh, somebody asked me if now is a good time to buy Grayson Rodriguez in a dynasty league, and I think, I think so. But I would approach it as if you're not going to get anything from this season because yep. if it's if it's of any severity at all, I, I kind of feel like that's how the Orioles should play. And I know we're always you know, mad at the organizations for not calling up their top prospects. But like this, this is, this lat strain is the kind that can, uh, can be hard to, to move past. It's not, it's obviously not as bad as like a torn shoulder capsule or, or there are many worse injuries, but it's just, it's hard to feel confident that it's completely gone. Yeah. And so I, I think if, I, I'm, I'm rooting for them to uh, to give Rodriguez more time to recover rather than less, particularly for we're talking about a dynasty context. Yeah, thank the heavens it doesn't say you know forearm strain or or something in his elbows because that yeah that's that obviously would be worse as well. Um, from a dynasty perspective, I agree, Scott. I mean, if there's any situation, obviously it has to be you know it's league dependent, it's team dependent. But if there was a competing team that had Grayson Rodriguez in a dynasty league. And was maybe depending on him to give an extra push later on in the season. That I think that's like the perfect place to to jump jump in and, and try and acquire Grayson Rodriguez if you can. Hunter Renfro won't return from the IL when first eligible on Friday. He's made good progress with the hamstring, but isn't ready just yet. Nolan Gorman has missed three straight due to lower back tightness. Nick Lodolo threw approximately 30 to 35 pitches in a bullpen session on Wednesday. He's on the IL with a lower back train, which he suffered a setback on. It feels like a month ago at this point, but 
yeah, I'm still excited for Lodolo. I just, we don't really have a timetable yet. Mike Clevenger is in line to return from the IL and start on Sunday against the Brewers. He was on the IL with a right tricep strain. Sonny Gray was finally placed on the IL with a right pectoral strain retroactive to May 30th. Hyunjin Ryu placed on the IL with left forearm inflammation for the second time this season. I think we can confidently drop Ryu, right, Scott? If we have no IL spots, obviously. Yeah, I didn't have much confidence in him to begin with. Robinson Cano elected free agency after being optioned by the Padres. And speaking of those Padres, they selected Nomar Mazzara's contract, who was starting in right field on Thursday. I believe he picked up a hit. I know it's Nomar Mazzara. It's probably nothing, but I'll just point out that he was crushing it at AAA. 367 batting average, seven homers, a 1095 OPS, and I believe he's a Nando guy. He's a Nando Dofino favorite, so I saw people tweeting about the wizardry of Nando. He must have been talking about him somewhere recently, and uh, Nomar Mazzara's up. So in deeper leagues... Just a name to watch. Omar Nervaez was placed on the COVID IL, and it was a big day for rehab assignments. Max Muncy will begin a rehab assignment at AAA over the weekend. Clayton Kershaw will do so on Sunday at single A. He's expected to throw just four innings of rehab before rejoining the Dodgers rotation. Jack Flaherty will report to AA next week to start his rehab. Uh, Tyler O'Neill will report to AAA on Friday, and Dylan Carlson will also begin a rehab assignment at AA on Friday. All right, Scott. I got an expert's opinion on this cookies and milk situation. Oh, an expert's opinion. An expert's opinion. And, you know, it kind of picked up some steam on Thursday, a little social media action. Our buddy Mike Gianella uh, put out a poll, people, you know, asking, do you uh, dip your cookies and milk all the time, yes, no, or depends on the cookie. And I I got this expert opinion. Quote, it's delicious, but not a fan if it gets too soggy. Oreos are the obvious best choice for cookies and milk. Would you like to guess who said that? Who who the expert is? Yep. Uh, I don't know. I'm afraid to guess. Who is it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the man who used to host this very podcast, Adam Azer. Oh, oh, come on. He's an expert in nothing. He's an expert in getting mad at the Yankees. Uh, he actually, That's about it. He actually was at the game on Thursday night. I was texting yeah. him about how bad Joey Gallo is. So that was fun. See, um, it gets soggy immediately when it goes into milk. I, I saw one. I saw some of these takes too. Like, oh, you you have to find the like right amount of time to dip it in. It can't yeah. be too long. It can't be too short. The moment it goes in and takes on that moisture, it becomes mushy. No, not the moment. Yes. No, if the you moment. dip an Oreo in milk for one second, Scott, it it doesn't become mushy. Now, if you leave it in there for like fifteen seconds, yeah, you've got a problem. But uh, I think like the f- you know five to seven second range, you just. Let it soak up some milk. It's really good. Have no, you ever I, done I, it, Scott? Have you ever done I, it? Of course I've done it. Oh, all right. I just thought I've maybe you were it. you were yeah. judging it without doing it. No. Come on. <laughs> no, I mean the like I am totally like I, I think the the milk like helps wash down the cookie well. Like that's a good combination. Like I I I totally with everybody on that, especially when it's any like Especially if, like I think of like a fresh baked chocolate chip cookie, right? You got the, the the chocolate chips are all kind of melty. Yeah, you got that that butter and sugar, perfect um, browning together, and 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 like just the 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 milk washes that down perfectly. But you you take a minute to enjoy the cookie in your mouth first and then you wash down with the milk that's how you do it you don't compromise the integrity of the cookie by dipping it first i don't think Uh, and i also i also want to point out like (laughs) i'm not sure like do you i'm skeptical i'm skeptical all these people are really dipping their cookies in milk unless they're doing it very secretively in shame you know, because I have been at gatherings with people eating cookies many times in my life, from childhood to adulthood. Nobody's pulling out the milk and, and passing around the cups to start dipping. You know, I, I don't think it's like a social thing, though. I, I, exactly. Like, you do it in shame alone if you're doing it. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's in shame. It's um, 
I don't know what the right word would be. It's it's not shame. It's shame. Maybe it is. It's uncouth. I wouldn't. So look, you mentioned like freshly baked cookies. I'm look. I'm not dipping any freshly baked cookies in milk. Like that is not happening. But if you're talking about just like Chips Ahoy chocolate chip cookies, which are you know they're a little bit harder. They're in the package for a while. Whatever. Sure. I think you could dip those in, in some milk. Oreos, same thing, you know. It's it's not freshly baked. Sure. No. Dip it in some milk. But freshly mm. baked cookies, yeah, those are off limits, Scott. There's, yeah, there's no way we're we're dipping those in milk. That's that's not happening. So Okay. I, that's why I think it's some cookies. And and that was my response to the poll. Anyway, let's get people ready for week ten and let's take a look at the schedule. Pretty standard schedule, actually, for next week. We don't have any eight game, nine game weeks. We have two teams with five games. That includes the Cubs and the Tigers. We have 20 teams that have six games. I'm not going to read all those off. And then we have eight teams that have seven games next week. The D-backs, the Red Sox, the Reds, the Guardians, the Rockies, the Royals, Angels, and Padres. Before we get into the two-star pitchers to add and stream, let's take a look at some fringy options. And Scott, you just tell me. Do we start them everywhere? Points League? Not at all. And we'll start with Cal Quantrill, who's going up against the Rangers and the Oakland A's. So I have him in the Points League only section of my two-star pitcher rankings, but those matchups are so good, and he has been... He's been racking up quality starts. I could see doing it in the Categories League, too. I, I just don't really trust the skills for Cal Quantrill, so I don't want to... I don't really want to attach my name to that. Yeah, it's points league only. He's kind of like Dakota Hudson, just without the ground balls. <laughs> doesn't <laughs> doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, yeah. walks too many. Uh, you know, good at suppressing hard contact, but I, I would agree. Uh, matchups are good, but a little bit scary in a categories league. Trevor Rogers, oh, Trevor Rogers, up against the Nationals and at the Astros. Yikes! So I do have him in the the points league only section of the two star pitcher rankings, but. I don't really want to start him. I I I want to I want some assurances from Trevor Rogers, I think, before I get him back in my lineup, particularly when he risks doing twice the damage and one of those matchups as you mentioned is the Astros. The other one, Nationals, it's a good matchup. So that that kind of makes it a little easier to do in a points league where the penalties for a bad start aren't as severe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh it's not it's not something I hope to do. Ranger Suarez is at the Brewers and at home against the Diamondbacks next week. Points league only. Noah Syndergaard is up against the Red Sox and has a revenge game start against the New York Mets. I would say points league only for him too. It's rare that we get a two-start week from an Angels pitcher, but I I'm pretty confident it's going to happen for him. All right, and then we've got Bailey Ober, who is still widely available, but some tougher matchups against the Yankees and the Rays. Yeah, I want to do it. I want to do it. I've been, I know I've spoken in praise of Bailey Ober at times, and there are some things he's good at, but I, I just, I don't think there's enough there when you look at the complete package, especially given how much they limit his innings. He puts the ball in the air a ton. So, you know, the matchups aren't good enough to justify it. All right, let's move into some two-star pitchers you can add and stream for next week. We've already talked about Graham Ashcraft. Who are some other names you like, Scotty? So, Jeffrey Springs, somehow still rostered in less than 50% of leagues. Jeez. I mean, he might be the top sleeper pitcher even if he was making one start. He happens to be making two against the Cardinals and at the Twins. Not the greatest matchups, but whatever. He's been dominating everybody. Five innings at a time, but, you know, still. Uh, a lot of strikeouts, a lot of swinging strikes. And the ERA below two. So what's not to like? Garrett Whitlock gets the Angels and the Mariners, both of them on the road. So I think you got to use him. John Gray coming off that 12 strikeout effort at Cleveland at the White Sox. Two good matchups. I don't really trust what we saw in that 12 strikeout effort. I, I think he has a lot more to prove to, to gain my trust. But with those matchups, I think it's reasonable to consider him a sleeper pitcher for this upcoming week. Hunter Green 
you know, he's been hit or miss, but good strikeout potential. He gets the Diamondbacks and the Cardinals in a two-star week, so I'd be okay with that. Another deep sleeper here is Connor Pilkington, who we talked about yesterday. He has those same matchups Cal Quantrill has against the Rangers, against the Athletics. He's only 4% rostered. And doesn't sound like Aaron Savale is going to bump him out of the rotation before he gets a chance to make the two starts. Now, could he be so bad in that Ranger starts that, that he doesn't get a chance to make the second start against the A's? That's, that's possible. But he, he, he showed a lot of promise in his previous start. Uh, velocities were up, got a ton of swinging strikes. So I think there may be something there with Connor Pilkington, at least in a points league, if I could justify the roster spot on him. I might, I might toss him in there. Might do it. All right. And then yeah, we mentioned Graham Ashcraft, seven percent roster, but it's notable. Like if you're if you're choosing between Ashcraft and Pilkington, I, I I think at least for this week, I'd rather go Pilkington. Ashcraft has a better chance of sticking, but I like Pilkin, Pilkington's matchups more. Fortune favors the brave. Two start pitcher of the week for next week. Mm. If if this is the first time you're hearing the segment. You shouldn't use this pitcher, but unless you are desperate and you're feeling bold and brave and you just need someone to throw in the line. We're cowards, <laughs> but a lot of people out there listening are braver than us. That's true. So, you know, we don't, we don't mind throwing them a bone. I'm looking at a name won't. here, Scott, that okay. you have on this list, and I was trying to figure out, is he even a starter? And then I remembered there was an injury to his rotation. Uh, and yes. I am going with somebody who has been on this very podcast, Ross Stripling, at the Royals and at the Tigers next week. I don't know how many innings this guy is going to throw. He might not even qualify for a win, but those are <laughs> fantastic brave. matchups. And You're brave enough. He's actually pitched kind of well this year. So I'm going to go with Ross Stripling. Fortune favors the Braves, Scotty. Uh... Let's see how rostered is this guy. I don't. I have him in the no thanks section of the two star pitcher ranking, so I'm not recommending him. And I always try to choose my fortune favors the brave pick from that group. Okay, he's only 25 percent rostered. I wasn't sure because he has a 2.32 ERA, and that someone is Jose Quintana, who gets the Tigers. That terrible. Like the Tigers are a distant last in runs scored. Their offense. They're distant last in runs scored. They're last in home runs. Like they are the the premium matchup. So Jose Quintana just for the, that matchup. His second matchup is against the Braves, which isn't as favorable of a matchup. But I, I think they lead the majors in strikeouts. So it, it you could still see it going well for Jose Quintana. All right, single star streamer Scott. I'm I'm just gonna run through these names real quick so we can get to hitters and some other leftovers here. My bad, you know. Oreos and Steve Cohen. I, I wasted too much time. Anyway, single uh, single start streamers. Spencer Strider up against the Pirates. Josiah Gray at the Marlins. Yusei Kikuchi at the Royals. And 1-800-Glenn Otto, who is pitching very well recently at the Chicago White Sox. They do struggle against right-handed pitching. I wanted to throw one other name in there. Alex Fajardo, who pitched pretty well on Thursday. It looks like he lines up for the Pirates next week. Yep. And he is 13% rostered, so I do yep. uh, like him quite a bit myself. The best hitter matchups for next week. We've got the Royals, the Reds, the Orioles. Made sure I said that right. The Blue Jays and the Braves. And the worst hitter matchups, the Pirates, the Rangers, the Cubs, Tigers, and Rockies. All right, Scott. Sleeper hitters mm -hmm. for Week 10. Yes. So, you mentioned that the top three matchups there for hitters were the Royals, Reds, and Orioles. Those are bad teams with players who are highly available. So most of this list is comprised of players from those three teams, including from the Royals, Andrew Benintendi and MJ Melendez, who's a catcher who's, who's been getting regular bats, even with Salvador Perez back. Benintendi's hitting like 330. It's a lot of singles. So the production, you know, it's kind of a hollow batting average, but the matchups are good enough that I'm willing to recommend him this week. For the Reds, Joey Votto, he's slightly over the 80% the threshold, so I, I can't put him on the sleeper hitter list, but he homered again on Thursday. And since returning from COVID, he's batting 289 
with three home runs, eight walks to nine strikeouts in 12 games. So I, I think Joey Votto's back. I know the, the exit velocity readings have been good during that time too. Uh, and, and like I said, the Reds have good matchups. So he doesn't quite qualify, but you know, if he's out there in your league, he would be top of the list here. But I like Tommy Pham for this week. He just came back from his suspension, and, and then I think he was dealing with a nagging injury too. He just got back. He walked twice in his first game back. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we've liked the data on him for a while now. So hopefully he can take advantage of the good matchups. For the Orioles, the whole starting outfield, I like this week. Trey Mancini, Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes. Mancini is the one I want to highlight because he's the most available. And I think he's I think he's the most impressive of the three, too. The, the things he's he had like 360 in May. You know, he worried about the new dimensions in Baltimore crushing his power. And that's kind of played out, but he's 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 changed his profile. Uh, to compensate for it. He's, his strikeout rate's way down. His line drive rate's way up. He's hitting the ball to all fields. It's kind of the Ty France formula for success. And while his numbers aren't as good as Ty France's, and I don't think they will be, it's, uh, I don't know, Trey Mancini's kind of a poor man's Ty France and has good matchups this week. So, wanted to mention him. My top two sleeper hitters for this week, though, are actually not on those three teams. It's, it's Alejandro Kirk. You mentioned the Blue Jays having good matchups. It's Christian Walker, who is on a Diamondbacks team. Their, their matchups are middle of the road, but they're one of just, oh, eight teams, it looks like, playing seven games this week. Yep. And I, I just think I just think Christian Walker, unless the matchups are bad, he probably needs to be starting at this point. He's only 61% rostered. Yeah. Four of the games are at Cincinnati. Oh, and the other three are Philadelphia, so, you know. Good venues, even if the matchups are middle of the road. Uh, Kyle Farmer. Did you mention Kyle Farmer, Scott? I did not, but he is on the list. Yeah. So in deeper leagues, uh, he went two for four with a sock and a shoe on Thursday. His fifth homer, his third steal. And over his last seven games, he's hitting 458 with four home runs. So I think he's an interesting name. A few others that, that I noticed. Uh, Luke Voigt plays seven games next week, and he's... Been better recently. Last 18, 18 games, he's batting 284 with four homers. And uh, Michael Harris went three for five with a double on Thursday. He is 43% rostered. And I notice he's fifth. The Braves are fifth in terms of hitter matchups next week. So just wanted to give yep. uh, Michael Harris a shout out as well. Yep. All right, Scott, let's uh, wrap up some other things that happened here on Thursday quickly. Pitching standouts, part one, Sandy Alcantara makes it five, seven-plus inning quality starts in a row. He had eight strikeouts in this game. Alec Manoa uh, now has nine quality starts in 10 tries this season. Seven and two-thirds, gave up three runs, five strikeouts. Nestor Cortez, seven more shutout innings, lowers his ERA to 1.50. And I finally gave in, moved him way up the rankings. I think he's, you know, SP 31 or something like that. And, and rightfully so, uh, anything Scott that stood out for you, Sandy, wait, Sandy Manoa or Nestor Cortez. Not really. I mean, Nestor Cortez, we keep waiting for his performance to drop off. I'm, I'm more of a believer than Chris is, but you know, I'm not, I'm not believing he's going to be a 150 ERA guy all year. And, uh, he just continues to continues to deliver. Pitching standouts part two. Sean Manaya now has eight quality starts in 10 tries this season. He goes six innings, one run, eight strikeouts in that one. Corey Kluber now has five quality starts in his last seven outings. He goes six innings, one run, four strikeouts at the Rangers. And then Tony Gonsolin, four quality starts in a row for him. And that was after uh, only going six innings once in his first six starts. So now we're starting to get a little bit more length and Gonsolin... Has looked very good. So anything yep. here, Scott? Gonsolin, Kluber, and Sean Manaya. Yeah, I mean, you said it on Gonsolin. It's been really impressive. Another guy who still a third of the way through the season has an ERA below two. Uh, you mentioned Nestor just a minute ago. And a few others as well. Martin Perez. Several pitchers do. Sean Manaya is kind of interesting, the breakdown of his numbers, because like under the hood, everything looks as good as it's ever been. Top tone swinging strike rate actually right there with with Frankie Montas, 
and he's getting strikeouts, and it, it looks good. But the ERA is high. The ERA is three seventy seven, and when you look at the game log, you know it's it's quality start after quality start, but a lot of like three earned runs and six innings, like yeah. a, a start where you you look at the final stat line and you're like, okay, he had a good start, but they all like there, there's not those like one earned run outings to to keep the ERA to get the ERA back to the level you want to see it. So I don't I don't know what that means. I, I guess I'm saying Sean Manaya is even better than his his ERA would suggest. Uh and and hopefully he can have some starts that'll bring that ERA down and, and not just be barely quality starts, you know? Yeah. This is now two years in a row where the swinging strike rate and the strikeouts in general are both up for Sean Manaya. I mean pretty considerably compared to the rest of his career. So that was part of the reason why I really liked him coming into the season. Uh, his walks per nine are up over three. And for his career, it's like 2.2. So if the control Im- improves and, and gets closer to where he's been at, I think you know better days are coming for Sean Manaya. So I would be looking to buy if he's available anywhere in your leagues. The call to the bullpen. We'll start with the Tigers. Gregory Soto. Picked up his 10th save for the Twins. Yoan Duran pitched in the 6th and the 7th innings with a uh, 2-1 lead. And then Emilio Pagan gave up two runs in the 8th inning, and he took the loss. For Tampa Bay, Ryan Thompson picked up his 3rd save. And each of the last four saves for the Tampa Bay Rays have gone to different relievers. Which sounds a lot like Tampa Bay. For the... For the Giants, Camilo Duvall. This was interesting, Scott. Uh, came on to pitch in the sixth inning, down one zip. Proceeded to give up two runs, and now has given up a run in five of his last six appearances. Though some of those have been unearned runs. I'm sure it's, you know, extra innings with the ghost runner on base. But he has been giving up some runs. I, I don't know. This was just weird. Did you see anything on Camilo Duvall? No, I didn't. And let's see. So only one other time this year, and it was his second appearance of the year, did he enter before the eighth inning. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's, it's unusual. I'm, I imagine it was just a leverage thing, it being a one nothing game. And, uh, and, you know, Gabe Kapler was not adhering to roles, as he has been known to do throughout his managerial career not adhering to roles. It's been more unusual that the, the way he has treated Doval this year. Uh, I don't know. The saves opportunities have been less frequent for Doval than I, I think we would have expected given the Giants record this year. So I've been a little frustrated with that, but he has generally been used like a true closer. Yeah. That's why I just I found it so weird. But mm-hmm. all right, well, yeah, I don't really watch it. Yeah, we'll just we'll keep an eye on it. For the Marlins, Tanner Scott picked up his second save. Each of Dylan Floro, Anthony Bass, and Cole Sulcer pitched on Wednesday. For the Padres, Taylor Rogers entered with a four-one lead. He gave up two hits, two hit by pitch, four runs, and he took the. I don't think I think someone came in after him and gave up. You know the final hit. So he took the blown save, but didn't get the loss. Um, Taylor Rogers has been used a lot this season, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, does he kind of wear down more as the season goes along? Craig Kimbrell came in in the ninth inning, and he pitched a clean inning for his 11th save of the season. Look at that. I guess the, the mechanics are, are back on track for Craig Kimbrell. To stream, to stream or not to stream for the weekend, let's start with Friday. Zach Eflin versus the Angels. JT Brubaker versus the Diamondbacks. Dane Dunning versus the Mariners, James Caprillion versus the Red Sox, and Yusei Kikuchi versus the Twins. Uh, I don't like any of them. Yuck. Uh, I guess Brubaker against the Diamondbacks if you have to pick one. For Saturday, Rowanzi Contreras versus the Diamondbacks, Tyler Wells versus the Guardians, Glenn Otto versus the Mariners. Gosh. I don't know. It's not looking great. Uh, Contreras against the Diamondbacks. I guess we'll just keep picking on them. <laughs> I do like him more than Brubaker. And on Sunday, we have Zach Thompson versus the Diamondbacks. <laughs> Lots of Pirates pitchers this weekend. Jake Junis at the Marlins. 
uh, Ryan Feltner versus the Braves, and Rich Hill revenge at the Oakland A's. <laughs> Junis, I guess, of the weekend choices that I picked from each day, I would rank them Rowanzi Contreras, Jake Junis, JT Brubaker. And I agree with you completely, Scott. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.